Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, welcome to Off Air with me. No, we don't do that anymore. Oh, we've stopped that, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you just don't start talking. To, right. you, can, you can just wind yourself back down. All right. Hello, everybody. Hello. <laughs> welcome along. Who's our guest in this podcast? In this podcast, mm. we've got two guests, Jane. Who we have? Because we have a married couple. Uh, they are Hilary and Michael Whitehall, and they do the Wittering Whitehalls podcast together. They're the parents of Jack Whitehall. And Michael was a very successful theatrical agent. Mm. And Hilary is a successful actress. Did you ever want to tread the boards? No, I didn't. Did you? Um, well, no, I would have liked it if I'd, if anybody had said to me that I'd be good at it. But I think I was waiting for someone to say, you'd be good, but nobody ever did. And I went to a girls' school that there was always the slightly racier girls who took part in joint productions with the boys' school down the oh, road. La, la, you know, la, yeah, la. They, it was always the slightly sort of faster types. Okay. Yes. I did play a couple of comedy roles uh, in school productions and I really enjoyed those, but I had no desire. What did you what did you play? I can't really remember. It was it was a very long time ago and they weren't very substantial parts, Jane. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I enjoyed making people laugh, but I didn't want to, I didn't enjoy the whole, you know, stepping out. Yeah. Well you've left you've left behind you making people laugh, haven't you? That's gone. Oh, you're very nasty. I thought I'd done quite well this week actually. Uh, to not be on the receiving end of the wire wool that is Jane Garvey sometimes. Now, it's come we, back, everybody. Yes. Can we just share a moment about Christine Christine McVee? Because we were both um I don't think either of us had ever talked to each other about Fleetwood Mac or never mentioned Christine. McBee, but the fact that she died it's just been rather sad hasn't it and um, it's been great today that so much of her music has been out there and that people have been celebrating her um, and you'd actually seen her live I had, I yeah. saw Fleetwood Mac in 2010 at one of the best concerts I've ever been to, it was a huge one it was at the O2 and it was when it was it was the proper Fleetwood Mac lineup because I think they had done some tours either before or afterwards where it wasn't all of them, mm. and it was just mesmerising. So they were just pitch perfect, word perfect, note perfect all the way through. It was amazing, actually, really amazing. And when Christine, I like to just call her Christine if that's all right, when she came on to play Songbird, uh, I mean there wasn't a dry eye at the O2, and that's whatever it is, sixty thousand people. 
it was mesmerising and you could just see the other members of the band in the wings watching too. It was just a wonderful... That's You know, sometimes you just... You can't quite believe that another human being has created something that's that's so magical. Yeah, it's one of those moments. And as Paul Gambagini told us on our our show today, she had the idea in the middle of the night for that. And I obviously never written a song in my life, but the the idea that you could just be either lying there or just sitting there, late night glass of wine or something else, and some amazing burst of creativity happens. And of course, now you could, if you were if you were a genius who did this kind of thing, you could just record it on your phone, presumably, couldn't you? Yeah. But back in the day, I'm not sure she'd have had that option. So she stayed awake. In case it slipped out of her mind. In case it went out of her mind. Yeah. And just kept playing it. I love Paul Gambaccini knowing all of those things, but you nearly had a ding-dong because you said, basically, where does Christine lie in the pantheon of songwriters? Surely it's up there with Lennon and McCartney. And there was just this pause. (laughs) It's quite a big pause. Every now and again, you've got a... You could have driven a coach and horses through that pause, ladies and gents. And um, you could hear Paul Gambaccini thinking, right, how do I put this? And then he just went in. She's lost it. <laughs> Mad woman. I just think sometimes it's worth stirring it up a little bit, isn't it? Mm. No, I mean, I, I actually, I'm not anticipating this, but I think it'll be a sad day when, when um, you know, a legendary songer, songer singer-songwriter... I'm not going to mention leaves us. Yeah, really oh God, it'd be huge, yeah. Jane. Yeah. Anyway, it hasn't happened. But just uh, just before we stop talking about um, Christine, it, it's true. You know, you and I haven't talked about her before, and yet we were both really moved by the fact that she had died. And I don't think until today I'd really thought about the fact that I love her work so much because she is a female songwriter I never really made that distinction in the way that I've chosen music or like music throughout my life but it just struck me today that it really was because she sang from the heart uh, as a woman and also because she just wasn't a kind of glitzy image of perfection at all I thought she was just lovely because of that um, carol king yes but i find carol king that's an interesting comparison i find always have always found carol king just a little bit too uh sad and melancholic for me that song it's too late is almost impossible to listen to yeah so i think the whole of tapestry just brings me down actually whereas i don't think i mean if we were just going to pick rumors it wouldn't some songs would bring me down but not the whole album no not the whole album which no doubt has been streamed endlessly i hope so yes, yes. I, yeah, hope so too. I hope so just looking at her christine mcvee's obituary in the times today she was born in a small village in the lake district which i'm afraid i don't know how to pronounce b-o-u-t-h booth bouth near alverston but then actually spent her adolescence in smethwick um her dad was a concert violinist her mum was a psychic medium and a healer, and her granddad had been an organist at Westminster Abbey. So it was it was in the genes. The yeah, what a ability. concoction of genes! Yeah, there. amazing. Yeah. yeah, there we are, Christine McVie, uh, who's no longer with us. As You've we gone say. slightly gone back into your woman's uh, yes. voice there, right, Christine McVie. Has died today. Shut up. Right, <laughs> Sal says, uh, hello, I love your new show. I'm happy it's every day, though I still miss Fridays. But look at the podcast write-ups and the poor use of punctuation on the Times radio site. Oh, God, who are we going to get the sack to It's <sighs> outrageous. I know Stephen Fry wouldn't care, but I do. You must have a space after a full stop, surely. As I type, 
And I think that's hard typing there, isn't it, Sal? As I type, I'm listening to you talking to cockle converts. You are the most real and funny radio people I know. You've helped me through some awful times. I won't dwell. Just get the writer to sort out their punctuation. And then you go on to say, oh, what happened to Sam? I worry about him. Well, worry no longer, Sal, because we are stepping out with the young gentleman only this evening. So we'll report back next week. I don't know how he's coped without us. Can you imagine, Fee? Uh, it'll be interesting if he's got a real spring in his step, won't <laughs> He already looked, I mean, he's only, I think he's 29. Uh, by the time we'd finished with him, he looked as though he was edging towards 70. But I, I suspect he'll be back at mid-20s by the time we see Yeah, him. and we'll get somebody to look into the punctuation. There's the, the, the full stops are there, but you don't have the two spaces before the next capital letter. And I have to say, Sal, it's annoyed me too. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, Neil says, and this uh, I'm guessing Neil's a gentleman, why is your podcast called Off Air when it's patently on air if on air means broadcast? Neil, get with the programme. This is a podcast, not a broadcast, and we have ceased to be on air, hence we are off it. It isn't live because it's a podcast. Uh, what time is it as we speak? Five, no, I can't do the time. 5.12 on Thursday the 1st of December. 5.12? <laughs> Do you, do you really say that? Seventeen, twelve, five, twelve. Yeah, but if if you were sitting around at home, yeah. and one of your housemates said, mm. "Jane, what's the time?" Five, Would 12. you go five five thirteen? It's still five twelve. Gosh, this has been a long minute <laughs> for both of us. Right. Okay. Uh, shall we go to our guests? Well, I just want to mention this this email. Another okay. one from Sophie. Um, the royal lady in waiting resigned because she asked that charity leader who was at a function. Where are you from? Whilst I agree that assuming somebody of a different colour isn't somehow British is a resignable offence, how can we ask about somebody's heritage without giving offence? I was born in Nigeria during the Biafran War and lived there for a few years, so I have a connection, even though I'm white, and my partner, also white, runs a charity in Ghana, so has been there a lot, but it all seems such a minefield. Anyway, I thought you two, as the voices of reason, could help. Love, Sophie. Um... I mean, it was offensive. It, it, it was very offensive, Sophie, what this lady said. Yeah. Um, so I think also that the key thing is you're not always entitled to ask about somebody's no, heritage. Leave it. So if you ask someone where they're from and the answer is Hackney, then because you're in polite conversation, you're being paid to be there as a semi-hostess, your next question should be about something in Hackney. That's the point, isn't it? So if their conversation had then got on to something around where everybody's grandparents had lived, then you might be entitled to ask a question about that. Mm. But the answer was very clearly given, I'm from Hackney. So you're just not entitled to carry on digging around. No, and and the, the woman in question was so persistent, she kept going at the charity boss and it was utterly inappropriate yeah. it was totally but do you know what Sophie it's such you know we've all been talking about it all day here too of course curiosity is a wonderful thing and it would be dreadful if you felt that you could never be curious about people's lives but the whole point of causing offence is that you have to know that the other person leaving your conversation won't leave it feeling hurt or, yeah. or dejected or insulted or whatever it is. That's what we do in normal conversations. So when it's about heritage, culture, faith or race, it shouldn't be any different. Ngozi Falani went to that event at Buckingham Palace to have her work marked and celebrated. So there was so much to talk about. Yes, and left feeling depleted and upset. 
and that's the problem. Yeah. So I hope well, that's gone some way to explaining what, what we think about it. Um, a quick one on vegetarianism and veganism from Millie. Thought I'd chip in on that conversation that you were having about uh, meat-shaped objects. Uh, it does surprise me how many people seem to be confused that veggies and vegans would want to eat meat-shaped alternatives. After all, the reason most people are veggie isn't to do with the shape of the food. Creating meat alternatives in recognisable food form makes it much easier for people to transition from meat-eater to non-meat-eater as you simply swap out the items. Now, my nose is about to run, so could you could you carry on with that? I certainly can. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. This is particularly helpful for resistant meat reducers. Put that on a T-shirt. My dad, perhaps a typical middle-aged white man, always scoffed at mine and my sister's meat-free meals, claiming it's not a real meal without meat, I roll. But after trying some pretty convincing alternatives, he'll happily have vegan meals regularly now. Knowing how much better eating a plant-based diet is for the environment, I think it's important that we encourage everyone, particularly people who eat meat for most meals, to try meat alternatives every now and then. And Millie says, sorry, as you can tell, I could rant about this for a while. All the best. Love the show. Love your email, Millie, yes, because that's you. a really good point. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about that. It is Jane and Fee at times.radio. Um, also on our Times Radio show today, we talked to Roya Nika, who is the Sunday Times royal correspondent. She was out there in Boston with William and Kate. Uh, we were chewing the fat over the Harry and Meghan trailer, which um, by pure coincidence, we're sure, dropped today. And the feeling is it will be available on the flicks next week. Is that more than a feeling? More than a feeling. Good Boston reference there. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Hillary and Michael Whitehall are steeped in showbiz. He's a leading theatrical agent. She's an actress and a very patient woman. Jack is their son. Together they host the Wittering Whitehalls podcast. Jane started off this interview by asking Michael if her suspicions were correct, that secretly he's really cheery. No, I'm afraid you're wrong. Excellent. <laughs> no, no, I'm whatever I do with my wife on the podcast is me. It's the real, true me. I was always very grumpy when I was an agent. Um, I never went out with other agents, which a lot of agents, you know, they all go out for parties together or lunch and they share their secrets with each other. I always ran a mile from any other agents. Um, and I was just grumpy. I sat in my office and was grumpy. And when the de when the deals came through, I was grumpy because it wasn't enough money. And yeah, so that's it really. Travels with, my, travels with my father. Michael always says, oh, well, it's a sort of exaggerated version of me. And Jack would say, mm, not that not exaggerated. So, much. so uh, Hilary, what attracted you to Michael? Uh, well, you see, in amongst this mix is a wonderful sense of humour. Oh. He does have, he's, he's, he's quite biting sometimes, but he's, he still makes me laugh, which is what happens on the podcast, which, of course, going on to our podcast, The Wittering Whitehalls, I feel that we're trampling all over your territory, Fee and Jane. I really do. How dare you? <laughs> the, <laughs> the last thing anyone's ever accused us of is wittering, Hilary. I can't believe you've just said that so early in our friendship as well. <laughs> But equally, it's uh, it's territory that you're very welcome to trample over. But I'm quite interested, Michael. So if you are, you know, very uh, grumpy and monosyllabic and don't really, you know, enjoy the crack, uh, why why do a podcast? Have you had a secret yearning to kind of be the other side of the the stage for quite a while? 
No, absolutely not. I mean, 100%. I, I used to go and visit my distinguished clients, either in the theatre or, yes, well, always in the theatre. Or on a movie set. Well, it wouldn't apply what I'm okay. about to say afterwards. But Oh, no, it would, sort of. But I, when I went to see somebody, let's say, pulling on a name out of nowhere, Judy Dench <laughs> and Michael Williams, who yes. I look after. Plunk. Um, <laughs> When I, I go and see them in a play, and it was I'd have a lovely evening, and afterwards I'd say, you know, well done in the dressing room and, and um, good luck. And then as I walked out, I'd think, God, they've got to do that tomorrow night and then the night after. And all I have to do is sit in my office and take the commission each week. <laughs> uh, I've definitely got the better job. I would, did, um, you, did you see, all, sorry to interrupt, did you see Judy yeah. Dench being interviewed by Louis Theroux recently? I did. It was, lo- it was lovely in lots of ways, but yeah. um, she did say that the thing that used to really annoy her when people came backstage is that if they couldn't think of anything else to say, they'd just say, oh, you must be exhausted, um, <laughs> yeah. which she always felt was a somewhat loaded comment. Did you ever say that, Michael? No. I never said I was exhausted. No, they must be exhausted. Oh, they were they exhausted. They must be exhausted. Right. Lines, you must right. be exhausted, yeah. Yes. We did do on our podcast, we covered how, because Michael was an agent for many, many years, I mean, we had 30 years of going to see clients in plays, the nightmare of going to see a play that was absolutely terrible and what you say when you get backstage and we always used to cover it with the immortal words as you as you burst into the dressing room, you say. Well, they were on the occasions when there was nothing to say <laughs> because the play was so awful or the they actor or actress were even worse than the bad play. I would always say, so what about you then? <laughs> Hey, <laughs> you've heard that what a smile and a clap. And what an evening! What about you? Brilliant. I'm going to store that one up for myself, too. Um, yeah. Can I ask you about your age gap in your relationship? Which you know, it comes up in the podcast quite a lot. Uh, when has that felt the most profound? Um. I don't think we think about it very often, really, do we? I mean, I had to make a decision early doors that realistically Michael was not going to socialise with my friends because it was all way over his head what we were talking about. Um, So we tended to migrate more if we were socialising together towards his friends, which was the majority of the time. So I, I do make time for my friends, but it's usually on my own. Right. We should say, I mean, the age difference is, in case anybody's wondering if it's 60 years or something, it's 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 21 years. But I suppose that probably is not insignificant, she said carefully. Um, <laughs> what, 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 do your friends object to the fact they don't see much of Michael Hillary or are they profoundly uh, relieved? I think they're relieved. Yeah, I think they're relieved. <laughs> I think Michael's um, relieved as well. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely relieved. Yeah. Your mother, I mean, the problem is that Hilary's uh, mother, who was a wonderful woman, sadly no longer with us. It would be best to look. Right, she, right. Where am I looking? We're just sort of here there. generally. Oh, yeah, rather than there. Oh, right. Okay. Um, she never recovered from how much older I was than she thought I was going to be. And I was at the tail end of a telephone conversation where Hilary was talking to her mother and saying, This is when I first met her. What did you think of Michael? 
and and I couldn't hear what was going on on this as pre sort of um, fancy yeah, phones. Yeah. Uh, and there was a long silence, and then she said, "Oh yes, well, I know I didn't tell you quite how big the gap was, but um, I but he's so sweet. Oh, I didn't say that. I just had no idea who he was so old because oh. I was." to her about the war because the husband <laughs> Hillary's father, father he yeah. fought in the war and I was doing a lot of oh god yes that was amazing it must have been incredible for you being in the desert and I think he got the feeling that I was in the desert too <laughs> with him um, my mother very famously came out with the line I shall will be reserving judgment yes reserving judgment gosh yeah. and and was judgment ever given um, well, we disagree on that. I think she actually learned to love Michael in the end. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I like what you said on the podcast, uh, I can't remember which episode it was, Hilary, but about school heroes, that they don't thrive in the real world. And I guess it's stuff like that that's made the podcast successful, isn't it? A bit of gained wisdom. I wonder whether you two find enough other things to listen to uh, that reflect that kind of place in your life, that kind of mindset as well. I mean, I, to be honest, Michael doesn't do podcasts, do you? You're more of a... I mean, I truly didn't know what a podcast was when Hillary said, shall we do a podcast? I said, shall we? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what is it? And it turned out to be wireless. And I said, fine. I don't mind doing a bit of wireless occasionally. The problem with wireless is it doesn't pay very good money. But I'm very, very happy to do it. <laughs> Had we any of your clients realize... wanted to do a podcast before that, Michael? I'm sorry? Had any of your clients wanted to do a podcast before that? And no, be the, the, a bit bewildered I... by you saying I don't know what they are? I stopped being an agent nearly... Ten years ago. Ten so years it was ago. Podcast, so it was kind yeah. of wasn't, hadn't been invented, I don't think, when I stopped being an agent. Mm. But it seems it it can seem to be a young person's game. I suppose is is what's behind me asking that question. Do you feel that? I think it probably is. I dare, dare I step into very dangerous territory and say, is it slightly gender based as well? Oh no, that's the people I think of who listen to podcasts. And my uh, my friends are uh, women. I I mean, men do listen to podcasts. Of course they do. But um, I don't know. I think in our sphere. I think the demographics would suggest there is a slight gender bias towards women. Right. Uh, but that's not, a, that's not a sort of universal thing. No. I mean, it's, it's a complicated picture because lots of the most successful podcasts are done by men and listened to by 
men. I mean, if you look at the successful podcasts at the moment, there's lots of political ones hosted only yes. by men, football ones mainly by men, uh, yes. and listened to, I would imagine, also mainly by men. But the secret of your podcast is that there is a, there is a genuine, there's an authenticity to your relationship, isn't there, which I think people buy into. And they do seek your advice. Do you, do. do you regard yourself, Hillary, genuinely as someone who is qualified to give advice? Absolutely not. I think the only qualification we have is that we've been married for 36 years, together for 38 years. So we've argued about most things. Most topics we've had a row about because it will not surprise you to learn, Jane, that we don't agree on most things. So when we do give advice, we're giving advice from pole opposite positions, usually. Yes, yeah. And so we're covering a lot of ground and a lot of bases. And the other thing, of course, that I think is very important, and Michael, I think, would agree, mm. is that it has to be, there has to be a comedic element Definitely. to it. Definitely. It has to be funny, Definitely. I think. Well, I'm going to introduce a not at all comedic element now because we talked earlier about the age gap. And in the podcast I listen to, Michael asks you very seriously, Hillary, if you've ever thought about the fact that you might have to change his nappies. <laughs> I mean, and I, I was because you were mentioning your much, much loved uh, granddaughter. <laughs> I think you've probably been involved in some nappy changing activity there. And um, and then you, Michael, veers off into this. And I was I was sort of both interested and, if I'm honest, mildly horrified by that conversational turn. The nappies. Well, I think also I think humour is a great um, it's a great leveller, but it's also a great sort of uh, lubricant for difficult situations. Yeah. I had. My father had dementia for 10 years and I right. supported my mother looking after him. And then my mother, when he died, sort of felt a bit physically and was quite severely disabled, ended up in a wheelchair. But we always managed to find the fun, you know, when I was trying to negotiate the wheelchair into the disabled toilet that wasn't really a disabled toilet mm. and getting stuck, etc. You have to laugh, really. Yeah. Well, it's the best way through it. Yes. I mean, many people would say it probably is the only way. And I, I admire your, again, it's back to the authenticity thing. I admire the fact that Michael brought up the converse, that brought up that topic and that you did tackle it because I guess for a lot of people, it's a reality. It is. It is. And I think, I think nappy is a funny word, to be honest, as well. <laughs> it is, actually. It's a slightly ridiculous world. Yeah, Do you remember word. that we, when we were at the Edinburgh Festival, when Jack first started his stand-up comedy... Yeah. And we went to see him in a, at a venue. And when we went up there more recently, I said to Jack, we were looking for your venue, but we didn't seem to be able to find it. And he said, no, it's, been, it's not a venue anymore. They've converted it into something else. And I said, oh, what have they converted it into? And he said, a disabled toilet. <laughs> That gives you a, a notion I, I, of the size of the venue. Right. Oh. I couldn't believe that it was that small in that room. Well, he's he's playing to much bigger venues now, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, to be fair to the lad. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that you will have been asked this question so many times, but uh, was there ever a difficult kind of period of competitiveness between you, Michael, and Jack? You know, you've turned your relationship into a very successful kind of comedy double act but there's a nuance between parents and children isn't there as well about power and attention and all of those kind of things um i don't think there is with between jack and i no i mean i never wanted to be an actor i mean last thing on earth i wanted to be and he knew that so i've never been looking for a route into being on stage or being famous and 
you know, been signing autographs and stuff. So he knew that I, I wasn't trying to get into his space, but I was thrilled that he wanted me to do something with him. And that series that we did, we went on, you know, we did it. It, was, it went five over series. five series. Yeah. And how lucky am I when people come up to me in the street, they often say, you know, I wish I could have done a show like that with my father or they always say nice things about uh, and how and I say how lucky I am to have been able to work with my son for such a long period of time and Mm. uh, also for him to let me have all the jokes yes and it's very generous and Hillary I mean presumably it gave you a nice bit of time off (laughs) it did although of course I was an actress so I've been on a journey because I would consider that he picked the wrong parent. But that's a whole other podcast. Oh, Oh, no, that's interesting. Tell us a bit more about that. Well, I, you know, I I get that the funnier vibe is Michael and Jack. But as a performer, of course, and particularly when Michael struggled with performing, I used to think, well, you should pick the other parent, shouldn't you, Jack? Ha, 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 ha. But you did, you did <laughs> pop up in the show, didn't you, Hilary? I did. I, well, I sh- I, well, Jack would argue that I shoehorned my way in. <laughs> you did. I mean, shoehorned. I mean, you dug your way in. It's a huge pickaxe. I mean, there was so much fun. So yeah. much fun. I thought, right, I'm going to have a bit of this. I'm just going to force my way in. And I did. Well, um, Michael was your agent. Was he? Well, was he any good in that role? He was hopeless. Well, I was looking for a wife and she was looking for an agent. When we met. When we met. And so, you know, it worked out quite well from my point of view, but not quite so well from her point of view. Yes. All he did was make me pregnant. Oh, okay. Yeah, three (laughs) Three children later and that was the career up in smoke. Can can I ask about your other children? Have they they dodged the the showbiz bullet? Are they not interested? No. That sort of dodged it. Our daughter Molly works in PR. She actually looks after documentaries, though, so she's more serious. She's showbiz adjacent, though, isn't she? Yes. And our other son is sort of showbiz adjacent because he does a lot of social media work and brand partnerships with people on social media. Well, there's some so some warning on... bells are sounding there. I think they might both be <laughs> desperate to climb the greasy pole of showbiz themselves, really. Mm. Yeah. But if you're looking for a kind of surrogate daughter to go on any number of really exotic travelogues, Jane and I can volunteer our services. We'd love to do that with you. Yeah, I can't think of anything I'd like to do more than travel the world with Fee Glover and Jane Garvey. Well, let's I, do I, it. I, Hillary, I think we're, let's we're do beginning it. to sort a programme here, aren't we? Yeah, I think I might think? be a little, a little old to pose as your daughter Hillary, but I'll give it a go. Um sisters. <laughs> yes, that would be better. I don't yeah. have a sister, so there you go. Right. Be my sisters. Hillary and Michael Whitehall were our guests on the show this afternoon and now here on the podcast and the Wittering Whitehalls is the name of their podcast if you'd like to delve a little deeper. I did find myself agreeing in one of the episodes I listened to mm-hmm. completely with Michael when he said that nobody should go to a theatre wearing flip flops. Oh quite right. Does anybody really care about that? Does he? He does care about it. And it's one of those things where I didn't think that I would care about it. But when he said he cared about it, I thought, yeah, no, I'd care about that too. Standards. Yeah. We've got to have some. Okay. Uh, As you listen to this, we are still awaiting the game between England and Senegal, which will be on Sunday evening. Obviously, our show is resuming and this podcast too on Monday. But let's just check in with my crystal ball.
to reveal what's going to happen on You've Sunday. been wrong on every single game so no, far. No, I said England would beat Wales 2-0. I stopped I stopped watching when they were winning 2-0. Yeah, but I that assume doesn't that's mean, what happened. No, but that doesn't mean that you're right. You can't just walk away from world events when it doesn't suit your waters. Well, so... What is going to be the score in the game, Jane? I've got bad news for, <laughs> for England fans. <laughs> Sorry. I think it might be one all. And then I think there'll be extra time and penals, as we say in Liverpool. Hang on, hang on, hang on. One, one all, oh, penalty. Full, full okay. time, then extra full time. time. Extra time penalties. And then penalties. Yeah, OK. And on penalties, what I happens? I don't think England are going to win. You don't think England are going to win. OK, I'm, I'm putting this all down here. When you go past fountains and stuff, do you chuck a penny in and make a wish? What do you mean? Well, do you, be, you believe in all of this superstition I and just, your waters and all of that just, kind of stuff? I just know that. I can't help it. It's one of those things. It's actually, a, no, it's a, it's a problem for me to, be, to be, have it's this not, knowledge. It's not a problem because you're never right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's problematic. Let's put it that way. It certainly is. <laughs> well, let's see who has the last laugh, shall we? I do feel that. I know you do, but nobody else is feeling it, love. Right. You have been listening to Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. Our Times radio producer is Rosie Cutler and the podcast executive producer is Ben Mitchell. Now you can listen to us on the free Times radio app or you can download every episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget that if you liked what you heard and thought, hey, I want to listen to this, but live. Uh, then you can, Monday to Thursday, 3 till 5 on Times Radio. Yeah. Embrace the live radio jeopardy. Thank you for listening and hope you can join us off air very soon. Goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.